There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 165 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, take two of trying to get the show recorded here on a Friday morning with some technical difficulties holding us back, but it's still positive vibes only. Brandon Douglas sitting in for Tyler Uramchuk, Cam Lewis joining as always in Coombsy. Despite our technical difficulties, we're still feeling pretty good about this Blue Jays team here heading into the weekend. Yeah, we got a vibes only podcast. We're uh, really shoehorning this thing to try and execute it. We're on StreamYard filming a video here of us talking. And then we also had a zoom conversation going cause it was recording the voices better. But it, if we like we're skipping or kind of fading in and out, just uh, bear with us. The, there's a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we're going to grind through it and talk about the blue Jays and the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the Jays ultimately go three and three on that road trip out West. You probably would have thought based on, you know, the caliber of the teams that, Maybe if they would take two out of three from Seattle and then lose two or three to the Dodgers. But the opposite happened. The Jays had a difficult weekend against the Mariners and then came back and compensated for it with a successful weekend against the best team in the National League West. So I think we can consider this this road trip in three and three. I ain't complaining about that. Yeah, I, I think it's a success for sure. And we talked last episode about, you know, what would be considered success against the Dodgers. You said taking two out of three was realistic. And you can, depending how you view game number one about should have they lost that game, game two, they definitely should have won. So there was potential for a sweep here. But, you know, if you look back at game one, how that ended up, you, you kind of got bailed out by your, by Jay Jackson and your bullpen a little bit. And I think that's a really good place to start, Cam, is that starting with our three ups, pulling them from games one and three, the two W's in the series. Jay Jackson really put his stamp on this series uh, in this game. And I think probably on the team overall with his performance here. Yeah. Jay Jackson, we'll, we'll, we'll look back at game one against LA and remember it as the Jay, Jay Jackson. He'll always, he'll always have this in his career as a huge memorable moment where he really lured, really pulled the Jays to a win in, in a game where I think most fans who stayed up late to watch the whole thing thought, okay, given the way things went, things went into the previous weekend, we're going to get walked off by the Dodgers. There is no doubt, but Jay Jackson put together a masterclass. And I think it was really nicely timed for him because, you know, it was just a few days ago that Nate Pearson was optioned to triple a Buffalo to make room on the, 
26 man roster. And a lot of people were saying, you know what, Nate Pearson's your, your hot shot and pitcher. He's been doing well. That's who you should keep up. And instead they went with the veteran Jay Jackson, who's done nothing but get the job done for the Blue Jays this year. He's only allowed one run all season. And that was all the way back when the Yankees were in town and Aaron, Aaron Judge had done off of them. Remember that controversy with, you know, Judge looking and yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only runnings allowed. And Jackson comes in this game and it's tied 3-3 in the ninth inning. And he's going up against Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman and Will Smith. And I, I'm going to be honest, most people that were watching at this point who are still there thought one of these guys is going to smack a walk-off bomb. There is no doubt. And Jackson sat them all down, comes in for the 10th inning, sits down Max Muncy, Jason Hayward, and Chris Taylor, faces seven guys all told, sits down six of them, doesn't allow a run, two two innings, just a completely clutch performance. Then the Jays managed to come through and win the game, and Jackson's the hero. And then the Jays do end up getting the W with uh, my boy. And I think there's only one person who loves Dalton Varshow more than me, and it's Buck Martinez. Every <laughs> broadcast, he cannot say enough good things about this guy, even like his, with his struggles at the plate and stuff. But Buck's always in his corner. Uh, Varshow comes up with the clutch hit there in the bottom of the or top of the 11th, pardon me, um, to drive in Chapman Merrifield. So it's... um. This game, like it was a so-so start from uh, Chris or Chris Bassett, Jose Barrios, pardon me. Like the bullpen really got taxed. And then we saw that translate into the results of game number two. But when you have a chance to win this game, when a game you maybe don't really deserve to be having a chance to win, you really got to seize it. And, and even if you are really um, taxing the bullpen in the process, you kind of got to put all your cards on the table when you have a chance to beat a team like the Dodgers uh, in extra innings. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like winning the game of this series was critical for the Jays, given the way things went in Seattle. It was, it was a tough weekend for them there. They did win the one game, but bearing down and getting this first win really made, took the pressure off the rest of the series. It was like, okay, we won the first game. Now there's two more left. Get one, one win in those two games and split the series. And that's a win, win. And you now Jose Barrios starts off. He goes five innings, allows two earned runs. Not a bad start by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, the Dodgers have a deep lineup. They're, they're a team that sees a lot of pitches. They'll foul balls off. They'll take walks. It isn't often that another team rolls into Dodgers stadium and their starting pitcher goes seven or eight inning so as badly as the Jays could have used that from Barrios in the opener given what happened in Seattle with all the relievers they kind of compensated for it with Genesis Cabrera comes in and makes his Blue Jays debut we'll talk about him in a bit he has a scoreless ending and then of course Jay Jackson with the two innings you need those innings from the back of your bullpen you can't just use um, you can't use your main guys every single day and we'll, we'll touch on that and the minuses are the downs in a few minutes here but you know the the leverage arms in Toronto's bullpen the, the Eric Swan Tim Meza's Jordan Ramon Mano even they pitched so many innings. So the Jays need relievers at the back of their bullpen who can come in in tight situations like this and get the job done. And it's cool to see a guy like Jay Jackson do that. This is a, you know, a 30, 35 year old, mostly career minor leaguer who only had a few games of big league experience, came into training camp on a minor league deal, ends up getting added to the 40 man roster, comes up and down from Buffalo. And now he's pitching in high leverage spots and he's, he's earned it. And then shifting over to the second win of the series, which was game number three. We'll talk about game two, like you said, in the downs portion. Um, and we kind of got our wish that we talked about last time around with UCA Kikuchi getting a much longer leash. And it only was six innings, but I think it was 103 pitches was the final tally on that. And he goes uh, with only one earned run, eight strikeouts and two walks. 
he he the longer leash was almost out of necessity because of that aforementioned tax bullpen but but he really showed up to play again and, and gave the Jays what they needed and this was a bit of a cakewalk almost game three win for the Jays to take the series yeah the Jays didn't need a master class from Kikuchi in that game because they popped off for eight runs against the Dodgers Tony Gonsolin allowed five earned runs over five innings and then the Jays tacked on three more runs against LA's bullpen but Kikuchi, John Schneider didn't make the same mistake that he did in Seattle. Kikuchi was dealing against the Mariners in that opener, and he got pulled way earlier than he should have been pulled. It was only, I think he'd only thrown like 75, 76 pitches or something like that. Five and a third innings, he comes out, out, and the bullpen just couldn't handle the load after that. And again, again, in Dodger Stadium, Kikuchi was pitching well, and this time Schneider just let him rip. He goes six innings, allows one earned run on seven hits and two walks and strikes out eight. His ERA for the season is now down to three point seven nine, which I mean, we, we came into the year hoping that given the way that he pitched in 2022 in his first year with the Jays, we, we just came into this season hoping we see more good than bad from Kikuchi this year. He's a number five starter who keeps them in games, but he's pitched better than a number five starter for a good chunk of this, of this season. He's been way better than anybody would have expected based on the way he pitched last year and down the stretch. That's what the Jays need. Like you, you need deeper starts like this so that your bullpen isn't having to pitch four innings every single game because they're going to burn a burnout Dutch. If that's the case, the Jays need all their veteran pitchers throwing innings and, you know, Kikuchi put together that start pitch really well in Seattle, the run that he's having. It's um, it's definitely the best run we've seen from him as a blue Jay. And uh, on the stick side of things, the bats were great all series. They went for 13, 12, and 11 hits in games one, two, and three, respectively. Um, and a lot of that came off the bat of Bo Bichette, who sat out game number one, a day off, a very rare day off for Bo Bichette. He has not had very many. Uh, he does end up coming in to pinch hit late in the game despite that. But uh, in the series overall, he goes seven for 11, four RBIs in the home run. A lot of that damage coming in game number two, which ended up being a loss. But it was really nice to see Bo get back um, on track here with the, as the guy that we expect him to be and not this really bad slump. I think he'd been on an 0 for 18 run there leading into this series. Yeah, pretty much since the All-Star break, he had really slowed down. It was really highlighted during the Seattle series when he put up a goose egg. But I think the thing with Bo Bichette that we've seen from him throughout his career is that these don't necessarily last that long these these stretches where he struggles he's done a good job at making adjustments and what it felt like this year is he came flying out of the gates he played really well and then the pitchers made an adjustment to pitch him ditch him differently more pitches up high and Bichette's made the adjustment now and it looks like he's heating up again and that's important because we talked about this a bazillion times but the Jays are a lot more of a top heavy lineup than they have been in the past and they need their you know, key players, your Bo Bichette's, your Vladdy Jr.'s, George Springer, Matt Chapman, guys like that. You need them come coming through so you can be an above average to very good offense. And, you know, when you have a guy like Bo at the top of the order going three for five or four for six or whatever those games are, then you're setting the table for the guys lower in the lineup to drive you, have you in and that's what his role is on this team. And we'll give a, a special shout out to Genesis Cabrera. You mentioned him, uh, part of that game one bullpen set where he gives up no runs. He comes in for a second appearance in game number two, uh, his first two as a Blue Jay. And for, I mean, it's very small sample size. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, but this extra left arm in the bullpen looks like it could do wonders for the Jays. And, uh, if Cabrera can keep up anything close to what we saw from him this week, it's already looking like a huge win of a trade for the Jays down the stretch here. Yeah, it's a really, really nice addition. The interesting thing about Cabrera is he's, he's always had a pretty electric arm. 
throws a lot of different pitches, basically has like a starter's arsenal and things weren't really working out in St. Louis. He broke into the league, had two very good, very good seas originally when he landed at the major league level. And then the past two years, his strikeout totals go down, his walk totals go up. But the positive thing you're seeing so far through his two outings, and like you said, small sample size, only three innings in total. We're not going to draw a sweeping conclusion, but not a single walk which is what you like to see. Genesis Cabrera has been filling up the zone. And if he does that, his stuff's going to do the work. It's good enough to get the job done. And the Jays so badly need another lefty reliever because all season it's just been Tim Meza. Like they're, 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 they're second left and lefty best after Meza is Eric Swanson, a righty who pitches well to lefties because he's, you know, he's got trickery style pitches. The Jays badly needed another lefty. We were even talking before that. Oh, maybe you say Kikuchi has to go into the bullpen, not because he's, start- he's starting, but because the Jays need another lefty. And it looks like here you go. You found somebody that was DFA'd by another team. You send them over a prospect who's very low on your depth chart there and get yourself somebody who you could catch lightning in a bottle with. And that's all, that's what it's all about. And we'll talk more about some trade stuff uh, on the back half of the show, but the, the long discussed issue of a big right-handed bat um, for the Jays to go up against some lefties and stuff. But apart from that, is, is, do you think this will look, be the only addition the Jays make to the pitching staff now with a, the, the brief, but good, results we've seen from him thus far, in addition to the almost immediate return of high and Ryu now at this point, like, do you think we're done uh, with the Jays trading when it comes to actual major league arms? It's really hard to say because they've, they've got an interesting roster crunch coming up with, like you said, Ryu's going to be back right away. The expectation is that they're probably going to wait until after the trade deadline to activate him just because you have a more and more clear of what your roster looks like. And then right behind him is Chad Green, who they, of course they signed in the offseason, pitched for the Yankees multiple years, had Tommy John surgeries coming off of that thrown a couple of uh, starts for low A Dunedin. Dunedin hasn't run yet. So not far away from bringing Chad Green back as well. That's another addition to the bullpen. Yeah, with those two guys coming back and now you have Cabrera there as well, it's difficult to say if there will be another addition to the pitching staff. But I, I think to be completely honest that even Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro couldn't answer that question right now. I think the Jays are kind of taking a let's see what happens approach. Let's see who becomes available. We have a whole bunch of different ways we could improve the roster it's not just one specific thing it's not going to be one huge big name ad you know they're not not going to our david price uh you know they're not they're not doing that kind of addition 2015 style it's going to be more like the 2016 trade deadline where it was patchwork making small upgrades bj upton diana navarro there was joaquin benoit jason grilly came earlier in the season just depth like that in various different spots and i think it's just going to be kind of a wait and see approach we'll wait and see what happens when august 1st rolls around who's done what who's still available and there's a ton of different things they could do i don't i don't think they're necessarily locked into the pitching staff they have now now even with you in green but honestly who knows it's it's a it's a very difficult deadline to predict for the blue jays last episode we talked about the dodgers bats and how electric they could be and they're not the same dodgers we've maybe seen in the past with ace pitching and i think we pretty much got that lock stock and barrel over this series and and that kind of leads us into as we transition to the three downs portion that game two loss where Chris Bassett, you know, just much like the Braille start, it wasn't bad by any stretch, but couldn't get a ton of distance. Got to go back to the bullpen again. And then it ends with um, Eric Swanson kind of imploding in the bottom of the ninth and giving up this huge lead. 
then eventually losing in extras where you're one of your fa- another one of your favorite topics, Mitch White here on the on the talking point list. But it's this this Dodgers lineup, the way that Jay Jackson got through it in that game one in the ninth and tenth inning, part of it, part of this uh, game two collapse makes that seem even more impressive because of the way that they actually got after Eric Swanson here in game number two. Yeah, Eric Swanson had, and I mean, he's been great for the Blue Jays this year. He's he's had he's had a little bit of a difficult run here, highlighted by the game against the Dodgers, where he comes in in a save situation. I mean, the Jays had scored runs in the top of the, of the ninth inning to give him some insurance, but then Swanson comes in and the Dodgers tie the game with with four runs off of him. So it wasn't the you know obviously wasn't the best performance, but to be fair to him, this is a guy who that was his forty eighth appearance of this of the season, career high in appearances for a single season came last year, and that was fifty seven with the Mariners. So we're talking about nine more appearances for Eric Swanson to reach his career high at the big league level, and there's still all of August and all of and all of said like. The Jays have used this guy. They've, they've worn him into the ground in pretty much the first half of the year here. So I think we can give Swanson a little bit of a, a, a mulligan. But it, it the, the down point isn't so much Swanson. It's it's more just how taxed the bullpen is and the fact that the Jays starters aren't able, aren't able to go into starts and that they're having to use the bullpen so much. It's so infrequent that the Jays aren't playing tight games. Like there's so many factors that go into this. You know, starters not going deep enough bats not scoring enough runs and then ironically you wind up in a game like like this one that's actually do come through they give you some insurance runs and the reliever you bring in is so gassed that he can't get the job done and that sort of immediately leads to our next point is the jays have mitch white in the bullpen and i mean you'd like for your eighth or seventh reliever or whatever to be an option to come in in a game where you're winning by a few runs in the ninth inning you know, Mitch White used to pitch for the LA Dodgers. He's familiar with pitching it out at Dodgers Stadium. He's familiar with a lot of batters that he would be going up against. And he just straight up hasn't pitched, pitched well enough. John Schneider to be comfortable bringing into a game where they're winning seven to three in the ninth inning. And then after the Dodgers tie that up, they bring him in for the 10th. And as everyone knew, I mean, like I mentioned in the first game, people thought, oh, yeah, the Dodgers are going to walk off, walk off Jaden. This was even this was a significantly more obvious one. Everyone knew as soon as Mitch White came into that game that L.A. was going to win. It was inevitable. And, you know, the Jays are a team that's trying to win. They're 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 a competitive team. They want to make the playoffs. They want to win a playoff series. They want to reach the World Series. Those are the aspirations this year. And the reality is, is that you can't use a roster spot on a guy just because you gave up a good prospect to acquire him last year. If he's not contributing to your 26 man roster, you got to figure something out. Oh God. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head there. As soon as the ninth, bottom of the ninth came in and that's who's coming to the game out of nothing more than necessity. Like there's no one left yep. to, to pitch at this point. It's just a matter of, I was like, Oh boy. And it was just a matter of time. And it sure did not take very long. Despite the fact that man, I certainly thought Kevin Kiermaier had a very good chance to catch that that ball, but wasn't meant to be this time around, despite, like you said, the little bit of insurance runs in the top of the ninth, Danny Jansen. Danny Jansen is the most confusing, I think, hitter in this lineup because we know he has power. We know he's clutch and stuff, but he's like hitting 230. And yet if you had no inclination of the actual stats and just purely off of maybe highlight tapes or watching like Jason 30 versions of the game, you would think Danny Jansen was one of the best players on this team, one of the best hitters, because his uh, his slugging percentage is, is terrific because of the fact he just hits clutch home runs. This was a bases clearing double um, to give them those four four run lead heading into the bottom of the line. Like 
I love Danny Jansen. He's a great catcher and a terrific like bottom of the lineup bat to have in your in your bag. But man, you'd sure like to see a little bit more consistency out of him to make him like take him to that next stratosphere of MLB player. Yeah, honestly, it feels like um, given the way he hits in these clutch spots, all these big extra base hits, his late inning home run runs, his bases clearing doubles, you'd think that this guy was like an all-star MVP caliber catcher. Like like you said, honestly, you turn into watch Jays in 30, and if that's how you knew about the Blue Jays, you'd think he was their MVP. But it's uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a confounding thing, but I would I would definitely take that over the reverse, which is, you know, <laughs> we talked um, we've talked in the past about Vladdy Jr., and it we went two years in between hitting a come from behind, go ahead home run to put the Blue Jays on top in a game. Like we have so many guys who who cannot ever come up and do anything in the eighth or ninth inning. So it's nice to have a, a, a very bizarre, weird thing with Jansen where he's just inexplicably good in the late innings of the game. The Jays need more more guys like this. They sure do. And uh, yeah, uh, some of them in the top of the tent there would have been nice as well but you know when you're kind of at that point in the in the order it, it is what it is um lots of stuff still to talk about including some uh big news about who's not going to be traded across the MLB you know one of the, the biggest name probably maybe ever on the trade market not going to be finding a new home but some new names emerging the AL East report all that and a little bit more as we preview the Angels series but first we'll step aside for a quick break there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, Cam, we talked a little bit about maybe the Jays trade targets there in our three ups portion, but the big name that you'd made the bold claim in the start of the season who would be landing on the Jays roster by the end looks like he's not going to be anywhere, but in a Halos uniform. And that is Shohei Otani. Um, the Angels kind of basically saying, well, not basically, they did say we're not trading them. Not only that, they go out and make an acquiring move of bringing Lucas Giolito from the Chicago White Sox. The Angels are on a heater here after a really bad stretch. They are now 9-2 and two in their last 11, only three games out of a wildcard spot. What do you think are the realistic chances that this Angels team, who is still going to be without Mike Trout until I think like start of September-ish, like can this team actually make a, make a playoff spot? 
Uh, yeah, I think think so. One, like, um, you 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 read the quotes from Otani and the way he's talking about it. He says, you know, this is the only time in my career with the Angels that, or my career in the big leagues, of course, is the only place he's played that they've been in the mix of the trade deadline deadline to do thing. And you know, the 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 last time the Angels bought and went for it, it was a long time ago. It was before Shoei was there. So, I mean, I, I I'm a little nervous as a Jays fan, as a, a fan of the team who currently occupies the third wild card spot at the idea of the Angels chasing them down and Shoei Otani going even more and more nuclear is gone this season. Like this season has somehow been better than the other ones we've seen from him in the past. Like he's on pace to hit what 60 bombs this year. And he's, he's, he had been pitching a little poorly. He had a, a poor run in July. In July, the RA was well up there around seven or eight. But then he goes up against the Detroit Tigers yesterday in the first game of their double header and just dominates. So, I mean, if this guy's fired up to make the playoffs, and he, if, if there's anyone who can carry a team in baseball, it's it's this guy because you know it, 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 that's the thing that's known about baseball is it's never the one man sport. It's not basketball where you know your point guard or whoever can can single handedly lift a team. To to a win. It's not football where your quarterback can go ahead and do something like that. Uh, baseball is the one sport where one player can't just completely dominate. But in Otani's case, since he's so unique, yeah, he kind of can because if he's pitching every fifth day a gem like that and then he's in the lineup every other day and he's putting up an 11-1100S 60 home run pace, essentially Aaron Judge last year, then <laughs> you never see anything like that. It's it's insane. So yeah, the, the playoff race down the stretch is going to be a challenge for the Jays. There's certainly no guarantee that they're going to make it. So this series, when they play LA, is going to be a huge one. Um, if the if the if the Angels roll Toronto and have a huge series, then they're right there. So I I I, I think honestly, good on the Angels for leaning in and trying to win. Like they they've they've had a miserable few years here with two fantastic players and theirs, and they've gotten done. So the fact that they're close, they're even in the mix. I think it's worth the risk for them, even if Otani walks for nothing. Then I I, I think they 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 gave it a try, and that's I think that's what you you should be trying to do. Team team should be win. And I wonder if. Inside the Angels organization, they actually have um, either some inside info or at least an inkling that they have a chance to re-sign Otani when this is all said and done. Because passing up the opportunity to get what you could in a trade return, I mean, it's a long-running joke about the Angels, kind of much like Baltimore in the past, where it's like, yeah, they're bad. And then they trade their good players away for lots of young players and draft picks. And then when those players become good players, they just trade them away too. So at a certain point, the carousel has to stop. And I think this, like you said, I'm I'm happy for the Angels, even if they are an, an in-league rival here and competing for one of these same playoff spots. They're kind of putting their foot down and saying, no, like we're, we're stopping this um, almost generational idea of throwing the towel in They're They're actually putting their foot down and saying, we have this generational player and another one who is just out of the lineup right now. And they're going to make a run for it. I mean, Lucas Giolito, whatever the white Sox have been terrible, but he's still a good player. And in a fresh start, I, I don't doubt that he can maybe turn something around here down the stretch. And we're going to get a upfront look at it here this weekend. We'll touch more on the angels here in the full series preview, but some more trade deadline stuff as it does come up on Tuesday. Uh, the Padres, a new team into the mix as they, despite the fact they took two or three against the Jays, still can't really seem to get themselves out of this muck and, and this grind to put themselves right back in the wildcard contention in the National League. Apparently listening in on some of their, their really big names in their lineup as possible trade targets now. 
Yeah, two teams. We 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 kind of thought, oh man, the the Angels take Tani off the board is going to make the deadline pretty boring. But then you also now have the Padres. There's rumors that they're going to listen on Juan Soto, who they acquired last summer, of course, and then Blake Snell, who we saw in Toronto, is pitching very well this year, and the close the closer Jodder, who they got from Milwaukee last season. Those are three huge names that could be significant game changers for anybody. Juan Soto as a Blue Jay would be perfect. Getting that bat into their lineup would be just perfect. But again, uh, given the where, where the Jays are at, I, I would be shocked if that happened again. I think it's going to be a patchwork deadline, but whatever. And then the other team, of course, is the New York Mets, who hilariously went and sold off one of their relievers, David Robertson, to the Florida Marlins. And if you look at those two teams' payrolls, it's, you know, the Mets are paying a billion, million dollars a team. The Marlins are paying 20 bucks. And <laughs> which one of those teams would you expect to be the seller and the buyer? The Marlins are the one, ones buying and selling prospects to New York to make that trade. And it's, 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 it's we kind of see that, but. Um, sticking with the Mets, they have some other names who could go as well. Justin Verlander signed that huge contract. Maybe they'll trade him to a contender. Max Scherzer, same thing. There's talk about maybe the Mets are going to get out in front of it and trade Pete Alonso for a huge return. Who knows? And then there's a bunch of other smaller players, um, players that might fit what the Jays are looking for, relievers, right-handed bats who can hit lefties, so-and-so, this and that. So having these two teams in the National League who are expected to be playoff teams, teams with big names, interesting players these 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 teams into the seller mode kind of compensates for the fact that um the angels took otani off the table yeah it should be interesting and we we will still have one more show before the trade deadline officially comes to pass and i do believe our good friend tyler remchuk should be back from his 15th vacation um <laughs> to be back in the hosting chair there uh and some of those teams that are going to be hot on the market to make some acquisitions are the Blue Jays rivals in the ALE. So we can jump over into our AL East report where um, it was a bit of a so-so week for across the division. Once again, the only team that came away with it without a loss on the record was the Boston Red Sox as every team in the division was playing um, a team from the National League. The Red Sox were up against the number one Atlanta Braves and the Red Sox took both of those games and, um, they actually made some trades as well. They acquired a couple AAA relievers, sending Kiki Hernandez back to the LA Dodgers, who had had some success there before leaving as a free agent. Uh, and then some more good news coming for the uh, Red Sox as well as Chris Sale is looking like he's going to start his rehab assignment on Tuesday. Uh, they also acquired Mauricio Lovera from San Francisco, kind of a middle relief type guy there. Uh, and next up for the Red Sox, they're going to be heading out on a Western road trip, starting with three against those same San Francisco Giants uh, here over the weekend. The Tampa Bay Rays, they had a two-game set with their state rivals, the Miami Marlins or Florida Marlins. Um, they split those two one and one. Uh, the Rays, however, more bad news as they face more injury trouble. Yandy Diaz exited game one on Tuesday. In an MRI, it was labeled as encouraging, so maybe nothing too, too serious. Um, kind of up in the air whether or not he's actually going to play this weekend. And then starting pitcher Zach Eflin uh, left the game after only four innings pitched. And um, he is also going to go for an MRI. So it looks like he could still make his next start scheduled for Tuesday, I believe. But another thing that's still currently up in the air, not a lot of news coming out of 
The Rays continued injury issues as they continue to slide down. They're now a full one and a half game back of Baltimore at the top. And Baltimore has kind of, quote unquote, games in hand. I know that's not a term often used in the baseball world as much as hockey per se. But the Rays will now face the Astros out in Houston for three games. Um, the Astros, of course, a hungry team as any, looking to keep themselves in the wild card race as well. The Baltimore Orioles surging to the top of the division. They lost two of three to the Philadelphia Phillies. But as we continue our trend of making notes on injury recoveries, Cedric Mullins, he's been out since July 19th. Uh, he continues to progress in his recovery. He's been doing some hitting, some fielding, and his next step was actually doing some like running, running of the bases and stuff in simulated games. And it looks like it's going pretty well for him. Uh, Austin Voth, he continues his rehab. He's moved up to AAA in that process. And now the Orioles with Otani officially out of the mix, their kind of main target, I guess, on the, um, as the deadline approaches, probably still going to be for some relief pitching help. They, of course, have one of the best closers in the game, but in the middle of their uh, pitching pen after the starters, they could probably use a little bit of extra support. They will be back at Camden Yards to host the New York Yankees for three games here over the weekend. And those Yankees, they split their subway series with the Mets. Yankees have fallen to last place in the division, but uh, Carlos Rodon got his first win as a Yankee. Glaber Torres returned to the lineup. And all signs are pointing to Aaron Judge making his return to the Yankees lineup here on Friday night against the Orioles. If he can do it and actually stay in the lineup, because apparently his injury is not um, healed by any stretch. It's basically just got to a point where the pain is manageable enough for him to play through it. Uh, in the off-season, surgery is looking like a very realistic possibility. So it's almost cautious optimism for the Yankees and their fans because, yes, Judge is back, but who knows how much of an aggravation it will take to put him right back on the injured list again and out for who knows how long. Is Like I said, they're last in the division and and chasing down three of their division rivals for these these last one or two wildcard spots. So I'll just throw up our standings. We can take a little bit of a closer look at them here. The Jays kind of comfortably in the middle of the division, uh, only four games back of Tampa now for second. And then if you parlay that upwards, uh, four and a half back of the, or pardon me, five and a half back of the division lead. And then the Yankees down at the bottom, they're only one game back of Boston, two and a half back of Toronto. So it's as tight as ever. And with Aaron Judge back in the Yankees lineup and whatever additions everybody's going to make at the deadline, I don't see anything changing uh, across the division uh, despite the fact the Red Sox made some selling moves, it's all going to come down to the wire, I think. And I, it's still very realistic that all three wildcard spots could be occupied by uh, AL East teams before it's all said and done. Yeah, it's very possible. It's uh, it's certainly going to be a, a hell of a ride the rest of the way. The Aaron Judge things, it's interesting to me. It seems like it, it really reeks of desperation for the Yankees. It seems like they're taking a pretty big risk here bringing Aaron Judge back at this point given what that could mean for him long term he's only he's only in the first of that massive contract they signed him to last off season but you know that being said this is the New York Yankees they're not just going to punt a season and give up so uh, not terribly surprising to see them take this move uh, getting Aaron Judge back in the lineup will, will obviously spark their offense that has been very stagnant since he got injured so we'll see it just makes the AL East even more competitive we all knew it was going to be like this so nothing really changes for us we got we got five playoff caliber caliber team the mix it's going to be an interesting race down the stretch and uh, a lot more divisional games here coming up in the last two months of the season of course we know the Jays 
total end of the season is going to be very dramatic with a ton of divisional games. But um, we have the the Orioles and the Red Sox right on the immediate horizon too for for back to back series. So first up, however, is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The newly acquired Lucas Giolito will take the mound here on Friday afternoon to face off against the Jays ace Kevin Gosman. And then Alec Manoa back out there versus Reed Detmers, Jose Barrios against Tyler Anderson to round it out. And then, uh, like I just said, Baltimore next. And you made this note here. Uh, the Jays said they're not going to reactivate High Engine Ryu until after the trade deadline, which, as I said before, is on Tuesday. The Jays will have 17 games in 17 days starting today. Um, this six man rotation looks more and more likely, but to keep, to get, uh, to keep from getting too ahead of ourselves with the angels and newly acquired Giolito, what, um, what are we looking at here over the next three days, Cam? Well, they've hit Giolito well. They, they've, they just did really well against the White Sox this season. As we know, they won every single game. They swept the season series and Giolito now for his career over seven starts against the Jays has an ERA of, I think I had it written down, written down. It was 5.45 against the Jays for his career. And then, you know, you have Kevin Gosman starting that day. So Kevin Gosman with an extra day of rest, you have high expectations for that one. And then Manoa and Detmers, that's a toss up. We have no idea what you're going to get from Alec Manoa on any given start. He pitched pretty well in his last one against Seattle. I think we all, we all kind of said, you know what, if you can get somewhere between five and six innings out of Manoa, three, four and runs, sure, that's great. You're basically looking at a number five starter at this point, as opposed to a number one or a two. That's just the way that it is. And then Tyler Anderson's hadn't had a pretty hum season. He goes up against Jose Barrios, who, as we know, has been pretty much a quality start machine all year. So Anaheim's, you know, three games back of the Jays in the standings. If the Jays sweep them, then they pretty much shove them all the way down and maybe make them reconsider that Otani thing. Though I, I really do believe they'll hang on to him no matter what, because it just gives them the best chance of re-signing him in the offseason. I think that's kind of the ultimate goal. Um, but if this goes the other way and the Angels storm into town and sweep the Jays, then all of a sudden they're right there. Then this is a, this is a huge series. This will be a fun, a fun, exciting one. The first game on Friday is on Apple TV, so you you need to get an Apple TV subscription to watch that thing. If you tune into Sportsnet, it will not be on for that reason. And the next two games will be games will be back on old cable TV as as like before. Uh, first of all, the Apple TV thing. I'm just going to lead it off by saying, boo, that sucks. <laughs> uh, as a avid apple um naysayer myself i don't believe i have purchased any apple products since my original ipod touch back in 2008 um i will not be watching this game and somehow just be uh following along on the line and you know my apps live updates type thing so besides that though uh you hit you hit it right on that this angel series should be exciting because no we're not going to get to see otani on the mound but of course he's going to be in the lineup um as since they're not going to be you know holding him out for injury prevention or anything they're in full push ahead mode and hopefully we'll get to see him continue this nice little hot streak he's on you know hopefully not it's in the heartbreaking fashion of walk-off home runs or anything but even still as long as the jays can still win the game i think the fans would be happy to see otani you know show out for them uh in toronto so uh interesting one what do you uh what's your prediction for the series here cam uh do you think the angels can claw their way up into or right against a wild card spot or i think the jays kind of almost extinguish their hope before it even really gets fully ignited I wouldn't expect a sweep from the Jays, but I do expect them to win two or three. I think think that Usman will lead them to a win in the first game. I think the Angels will bounce back and win the Manoa start. And then the third game there, I think the Jays will win the Barrio start and take two of three. 
I'm inclined to believe you and agree with you on that. Uh, but you know what? I think I'm uh, in terms of money where my mouth is. I'll be on the Jays uh, money line all weekend. Probably a few run line bets in there as well because of the fact that you do have Gosman and Barrios. That should really hopefully put um, some stalling efforts on this Angels offense. But everybody listening, we appreciate you toughing it out as we, you know, we really grinded and gritted through this episode with our technical difficulties. My, my camera has been frozen for virtually this entire episode. <laughs> I've just been getting to look at Cam's beautiful face as he stares at my frozen, frozen mug with my mouth half open, but uh, hopefully it wasn't uh, too difficult. Cam, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Otani. Enjoy the angels. And we'll chat with you again next week. Best wishes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.